blown. Mind blown. You just blew my mind, Paul. Oh my God, that, that changes everything. That, I'm, the end of the usual suspects is what's happening to me right now. But are, do you, are, we, are we rolling? Do you want to start rolling? We are. Um, if you want to talk about the, the Hadley Creative thing, because I don't think, I think most people are kind of like, like me in the sense of if they are aware of it, that awareness came relatively recently, mostly because the whole thing is a relatively mm-hmm. recent development, right? Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's this is the second year second. of programming, okay. um, and it's it's easy to get confused because there is um, there are a bunch of things going on, right? So the Hadleys, um, and gosh, I, I feel bad going on record with this history because I haven't like fact checked it. Oh, so like my it? my journalist. Uh, uh, side uh, for what it's worth is popping in and being like don't say it on the record you don't know what you don't know what the truth is but um so so the hadleys um are you know had this uh this fortune that you know they made making pottery and uh you know and then they left it to the arts a, a big big old chunk of it to the arts and uh the community foundation of louisville uh i think has all of, you know is, is working with all of it i think they may be the sole foundation working with it mm-hmm. but again i haven't like studied it so for a while they have had this thing called the hadley prize which is like a single person a year it's a chunk of money right. that they you know give to a visual artist right. and i don't recall off the top of my head the rules or the stipulations i don't know if they're just like hey have some money do but whatever it's you know. fairly close to a classic grant situation mm-hmm. yeah, so. yeah 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 a pretty classic grant situation um, but they had also sort of been charged with this other piece, which is um, developing the community or developing more artists in the community. And uh, so they, you know, in, in their planning sessions or, you know, whatever. This is, again, stuff I haven't fact-checked, but this is the sense. This is what I've gleaned. <laughs> they, you know, um, were talking about it and decided that they wanted to bring these artists in, uh, you know, sort of a small but not tiny group of artists from a variety of disciplines and foster cross-discipline uh, collaboration between them, um, help them learn about the, you know, the business of being an right. artist, um, put them in rooms with people that they might not, you know, sort of removing an institutional barrier mm-hmm. and putting mm-hmm. them in rooms with people that they might not normally uh, end up in a room with but you know if, if you put them in a room with that person then maybe some funding is going to happen or a commission is going to happen yeah. or something like that so taking these people and sort of helping them jump to another level but then it's also sort of in its in its bones it's built to you know then after the program is over these people go out into the community and have all these ties and use them to help each other and use them to help the next class of Hadleys or someone from the previous class. And then also just everyone, mm-hmm. you know, that you're creating sort of, oh gosh, I'm about to go into medical <laughs> metaphors, which I'm <laughs> quite certain are going to be horribly incorrect, but maybe you can. So it's sort of like the fascia of, mm-hmm. like, you know, of the community. It's, you know, it's over all of it and connecting it. And is that at all, coach? Oh yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> let's go with that. <laughs> what, yeah, yeah. what is fascia? I have, I have no idea. Um, <laughs> you know what? Do the metaphor, kid, and then we'll go back later and figure we'll out figure if it's it cogent. Out. Um, but, but so yeah, so being that connective tissue uh, and helping hold the community together and helping lift it sort of all together by creating these mm-hmm. these connections. Um, so that's that's super interesting to me because you know there are these sort of divisions in my brain where I, I'm really interested in a lot of different things and. I'm interested in the art I want to create. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. right? Like very specifically, the, the super hyper-specific <laughs> thing that I want to do, I'm really interested in that. But then I'm also really, really interested, and um, this, this definitely keys into like the social justice aspect of my world outlook and the connection mm-hmm. that I see between social justice and the arts. So it's there to some extent, but then it's also... Um, it's also connected to you know my day job, uh, and my day job is I'm this you know I'm an arts and culture reporter, um, but I'm a full-time freelancer. You know I don't have a, a place to hang my hat. I don't have a you know a building that I call home. So if I'm not pitching stories, I am not making money. And especially mm-hmm. when I first started, there were you know everywhere I worked there were eight people in line in front of me. So mm-hmm. I wasn't covering Actors Theater of Louisville because somebody had dibs on that. I wasn't covering Louisville Ballet. Somebody had dibs on that. Right. So I had to go out and find every other story that was out there and look at the, look at the entire community as sure. much as I sure. could. And so then you start to see things that are there or things that are missing or things that are rising or things that are sinking. Mm-hmm. And my brain operates in a way that it then goes, well, how do we fix that? What do we do for that? And um, so... It, it helped develop and or create this part of my brain that is community oriented and interested in other people's art instead of just mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's that's one of the cool things I think about the the Hadley Creatives is that it's going to serve both mm-hmm. of those parts of my brain where I'm going to be able to work and help the community, hopefully, and then also you know do do good things myself because you look at a lot of things in the community and um, you know they're not they're not paying your bills. And it's not even that it's wrong that they're not paying your bills. It's just, you know, you got to eat mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you got to pay your mortgage or your rent or, you know, whatever, you know, yeah. you got to, you got to take care of those things and you only have so much to give. Yeah. Right. So, um, hopefully it'll, it'll kind of help me develop all of those things. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think it's really fascinating too. Um, I'm going to get up on this thing because I tend to get kind of quiet. Right. Um, <laughs> It's interesting hearing your description of it because one of the things that you see in a lot of you know communities, both in terms of the art world and the world of those who support the art world, is there's not a lot of respect all the time for that sort of web mm-hmm. of people who are creative, people who are trying to do mm-hmm. things in terms of support for it, mm-hmm. except when creatives are all aware of each other Mm -hmm. you know that's where it comes from and usually it's a very organic thing Mm -hmm. i mean it's it's the classic thing of you know painters who hang out at the same bar or writers who are at Mm -hmm. the same coffee shop Mm -hmm. it's always about consuming Mm -hmm. liquids of some kind or other liquids Um, are important um, quids as i like to call them (laughs) gotta stay topped off on my quids bro (laughs) but it's uh, what's interesting about this Hadley thing is it's a, it's sort of an acknowledgement that that's how it works in the first place and an attempt to sort of uh, you know give a little plant food mm-hmm. to the whole operation yeah, give it a push yeah and do I, it no good I was gonna say it, it's doing it intentionally right instead right. of letting it sort of happen naturally yeah um, it's you know just a tiny little bit of social engineering mm-hmm. you know instead of seeing like you want to talk about the lost generation or something like that, the expats, you know, they all left America because they were, you know, upset about World War One, I, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, and they just, right? Uh, they just happened to all end up uh, in Paris at the same time, mm-hmm. just kind of happened to hang out. And, you know, and we got all of this incredible writing out of it. You know, we got Hemingway and uh, all of those people. And uh, this is kind of saying, well, how do we encourage that? You know, mm-hmm. how do we 
give, as you said, plant food. I think yeah. that's a great. I think that's a great metaphor. I like too that they acknowledge the fact that, for better or for worse, the art world, the world of the creative, you know, is embedded in a larger culture in which there is a market economy, and so it's you know helping people to to navigate through all of that stuff, without saying. Um, that's the most important thing. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. one thing. Like the last decade or so, there have been all these pushes, sort of trying to redefine artist as entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. get it. Mm-hmm. And I, on the generous side, I think the impulse comes from a good place. Mm-hmm. Sometimes not, to be honest. But mm-hmm. yeah, it it's always both. It's, it's all, always you know, both. there's no instinct uh, that you then pull back and look at societally. Mm-hmm. Right. Anything you step back far enough, there are some... What is our policy on like swearing? Are we... Absolutely. <laughs> okay. That's you step back far enough and you know, and you will find douchebags. Yeah. Always there That's will be douchebags. I, I wanted to like check before I started. You okay. know, you're like, my child listens to this while I'm editing. You what know? is the status of douchebag these days? Because I've actually heard some people mm-hmm. say from, mm-hmm. a, from a feminist, feminist mm-hmm. perspective, you know, it's women's hygiene and mm-hmm. not only is it women's hygiene but it was a women's hygiene product that was you know forced on mm-hmm. women and mm-hmm. which to me makes it a more effective mm-hmm. dismissive term right it's like it's got asshole built into mm-hmm. it not oh that's a poor choice you know what i'm saying um <laughs> right sorry <laughs> no, anyway just, so we need to differentiate we need to keep like a taint's worth between the two of, of those metaphors <laughs> um uh you know yeah i've actually I've, I've actually gotten um into a couple of those conversations and you know that's one of the really interesting places to me uh sort of socially and linguistically because you know if if we're talking about a sort of a, a an issue that touches on women and all of the women I know say, hey, this is a bad thing. Right. Um, then I'm going to be like, OK, cool. Uh, I'm going to take your word for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to not say, you know, whatever thing you ask me not to say. Um, but douchebag specifically, mm-hmm. I have seen division uh, in the oh, community. Yeah. Like yeah. some women are like, no, it's great because it's a call out on the patriarchy's need to shame feminine bodies. Mm-hmm. But then somebody mm-hmm. else is like. You know, as long as there's any connection between douche and hoo-hahs, right. we don't want to use it as, <laughs> right? That's one of my favorites, hoo-hahs. Um, between uh, douche and hoo-hahs, then we don't want to, you know, foster that right. negative association. Right. Um, and, you know, and man, we, we got to dicey territory quick. I try. Um, <laughs> and I think that there is, yeah, there are so many really important and reasonable conversations mm-hmm. that have been appropriated in order to silence people um mm-hmm. so then it's, it's really difficult to get back into those mm-hmm. without um sort of invoking that mm-hmm. uh that modus operandi of, of right. silencing people but i do think there is a point at which you know you listen to people mm-hmm. you uh pay attention to their feelings you don't act like a douchebag but at the end of the day it, you are a human who has to make decisions right right you have to look at the evidence and the information you have been given and do your best right. to come up with, with the, the right action. Right. Um, and so for me, the, the right action is to continue to use douchebag. Um, <laughs> Thank you, Eli. And it's, it's possible that there is, you know, uh, a, a self-serving, I, I, I want to continue right. using right. it. So I've found the evidence that supports it. <laughs> I completely admit that that is a possibility. But that is, that is the academic We idea. have the facts and we're voting douchebag. <laughs> <laughs> But that's you point to an interesting thing in my mind anyway, which is we still have to function in the world. Mm-hmm. We have to allow conversations to go mm-hmm. on. We have to encourage conversations mm-hmm. to make sure that everybody is mm-hmm. is able in some way to participate. Mm-hmm. But then decisions have to be made. Where we seem to fail, and I think this is definitely true, like in our sort of top down patriarchal system, mm-hmm. is we try to institutionalize 
the the point at which a decision is made and that's the end of it because mm-hmm. we said so mm-hmm. no more discussion mm-hmm. because sometimes you know like i think a great example is any of the uh, well god it's hard to pick one these days but like <laughs> sexual harassment the me too mm-hmm. movement and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff mm-hmm. huge explosion for a little bit um quickly people started trying to figure out how to tamp let's tamp this down mm-hmm. let's you know minimize that mm-hmm. um but it kind of happens I think in both directions sometimes the people who would like it to go away want to tamp tamp it down the people who think this needs to keep rolling on see that mm-hmm. and sometimes it gets pushed to to excess in terms of you know collateral damage mm-hmm. if you want to call it that like it's another one of those things where a halfway point would be really lovely. Mm-hmm. Let's let's let all this come to the table. Let's start figuring out how to make decisions about it. Let's make some temporary decisions. Mm-hmm. Like this looks dodgy over here. Right. Let's say that that may be dodgy, and let's investigate. Right. Let's let's give it a look. Um, um, and I, I'm just going to go ahead and I'm going to say this out loud before anyone else has <gasps> the chance to think it. Like this is two uh, white people, um, generally speaking, male-ish. In a room, I've actually uh, recently started identifying as non-binary. Uh, I've never been comfortable as a man. I frequently like to cosplay one, though. Mm-hmm. I think that's 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 how I'm sort of describing it uh, when I, like I when I think about it. Like mm-hmm. I I enjoy uh, occasionally doing that. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I'm gonna wear a blue jean jacket and some boots and a, a very wide leather belt, and I'm just gonna you know. But uh, I, I never quit playing dress up, and that's part of gender to me. You've just made me so hyperconscious of my fashion choices. Thanks. Thank you. You know, I mean, that, man, that's a whole that's a whole different podcast. Um, but I just I'm trying to be conscious about the way I talk about my own gender because I was about True. to say uh, I want to acknowledge that this is two white men in a room. Yep. Um, and you know, I, as said, I don't identify as a man anymore, but I still recognize that I have mm-hmm. a lot of male privilege and right. cis oh, privilege, yeah. whether or not. Um, I identify as a man. So yeah. I, I did want to throw that out there. Uh, Absolutely. Two white men asterisks Men-ish. in a room. I, I like uh, the manish. That's right? A, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, um, I play around with all the different words. but uh, Which, that's an interesting callback. Who was that? Um, oh, God. Old blues guy. Had that song, I'm a man, not no manish boy. Like he was there already. He was trying to. He was trying to work through it. Anyway, um, <laughs> you guys can't see this at home, but I'm I'm giving a blank blank. Yeah, look. totally. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna go home and look it up. I'm gonna listen to it. God bless the internet. I listen to so much more new music than I used to. Like, uh, you can just any like passing thought. You know. You oh God, yeah, it's just terrible. like oh Herbie Hancock. I like that one song. What album did he put out in 1985? I'm going to listen to the whole thing now, you know, and then that's, hey, that's Thursday. And then there's that side of the internet of people who are obsessively trying to find the most obscure things that got, you know, quote unquote, overlooked so they can bring mm-hmm. it to the world. Mm-hmm. So you're constantly being thrown stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like, here's an obscure folk artist from 1967 from Latvia. It's like, should I listen to this? <laughs> well, I mean, no offense to Latvia. We, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, hey, or Lithuania or uh, Latveria, which you don't want to insult them <laughs> because that's a fictional country ruled by Dr. I Doom. I was going to say, yeah. I don't, <laughs> well, you never want to piss off Dr. Doom. Right, yeah, no, Dr. Doom will destroy you. But, um, you know, we long ago passed the point where there is far, far more art um, in any single oh, genre, yeah. let alone all of the genres, for us to, to, to take all of right. them in. So uh, I just I try to have a, an organic journey is what I try to do um, as I travel through things and learn through things. But I mean, there's certainly and this is, you know, um, definitely something that is uh, involved with the artistic community, but also the social justice mm-hmm. community, but also, uh, you know, sort of the music aficionado, aficionado. Um, that one's got a fun ass in it. Aficionado community where we are searching for a value 
right. for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And we, instead of finding it in ourselves, we find it in an action right. or in a subculture, mm-hmm. um, which in and of itself can be not the worst thing in the world. Sure. Except then very frequently we become defensive right. of that right. thing and of that identity. And that's, that's why you get... You know, sort of, I, I almost even, I don't even identify as a nerd anymore just because like, because <laughs> I'm like, those assholes? Yeah, I'm, right. No, I am not standing over there with those assholes. Like, I've gotten to the point, I kind of hate Star Wars. <laughs> I mean, and I was like, I, I, I say this, I had, I have never in person right. seen a larger Star Wars collection mm-hmm. than the Star Wars collection I once had. Never in person. Sure. I've seen pictures online. Sure. Um, but I have never seen a, a, a individual right. with a larger Star Wars connect, collection than the one that I had. And, you know, and I worshipped this stuff and talked about it constantly. And, you know, when I worked with kids, I uh, worked with kids for about a decade, um, give or take, out of, uh, um, well, not out of college. After the first time I went to college, I did not graduate. <laughs> That's a different story. Um, I was and, on campus. and uh, yeah. <laughs> it's, All of my stories are long stories. There are no short stories. Um, but I, you know, I went for four years. This is back when I was a dance major. We were mm-hmm. talking a little bit earlier about I have a background in dance, and a lot of people don't realize that. Um, but I was a, I was a dance major in high school and college, and uh, so four years as a dance major, and uh, I got you know enough credit hours to graduate. I had a, a three 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 four something. Mm-hmm. I don't know some kind of like totally respectable, respectable grade yeah. point average. But man, jumping through the right hoops in the right order. I had the wrong classes. I had them at the wrong times. I had the wrong levels. I couldn't get the thing registered for right. the thing. Like all right. of this stuff. You took 110, it's like you're supposed to take 105. And I'm like, I got an A, but I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, so that's the whole thing. But I worked with kids. So, I mean, I used Star Wars. I like, I, I created curriculum based on it. Right. Like right. I taught kids using it, you know. Um, so, I mean, I... I Deeply, deeply loved it. And I've kind of gotten to the point where I just kind of hate it now. Yeah. Um, I just kind of hate it. Like talking to people about Star Wars, The Last Jedi, just ad nauseum, I think was the last thing that made me just kind of... And it's the way that people won't even like attempt to look outside their point of view. Yeah, That's yeah. What, what exhausts me about so many things. Um, just like well, can't even attempt to look back to outside. what we were talking about yeah, before. Yeah, yeah about I can't remember. Was that on the record or off the record? I Do think we that was off the, the audience. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that was off the record stuff. I mean, just talking about the whole mm-hmm. notion of you know people who just embed themselves mm-hmm. in a perspective. Mm-hmm. I think we were talking about the the plastic straw mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, thing, right? Plastic straw. Well, let's let's break it down for that. So the, yep. the plastic straw thing. A bunch of people want to ban plastic straws because you know plastic is bad um, for the environment and, you know, all that stuff. And oil is, you know, whatever, Satan. Well, um, and we use like, you know, what, two trillion straws a day or something ridiculous like that. Oh my God, that's, like that's that. yeah. of course, of course it's something just unbelievable. But, um, if, uh, if you sort of talk to a lot of people in various aspects of the, the disabled community, um, they're only able to drink using straws and it's like, it's a, it's a serious thing for them. They need straws. Mm-hmm. So when people started talking about banning straws, these people, these other people, you know, disabled disabled people kind of raised their hands and were like, hey, that's that's kind of a, a problem for us. And I just, and this is where my brain just kind of, I just don't understand. Because then instead of saying, oh, hey, well, you know, they're bad for the environment, but I, I see what you're saying about your needs. So let me listen to you and, and, and think about that. And maybe we can, they're like, no, your needs are the worst. And it's just like, what are you, what? How are you, right. like... You're yelling at people who need straws. How is that a thing? Yeah. Like, how how did you how do you not immediately just go? Oh wait, I'm a gigantic douchebag, <laughs> and I need to not be that. 
I, it, it, I can't, I, I can't, like, I just, I mean, even just like, forget about politics, just like basic manners. Oh, just basic. Yeah. Yeah. Basic manners, like listen to people about who mm-hmm. they are and their achieved identity. And I just, like, even if you don't know the word achieved identity, which is definitely a, but it seems pretty easy to figure out from the two words that make up the phrase. Come I on, mean, come you on. know, yeah. you know, yeah. um, we do have magic <clears throat> computers in our pocket that can look up any word in True. seconds. Um, depending on your service and your carrier. Um, <laughs> when I'm in Germantown, good luck. I can't look anything up. Oh, um, but yeah, so so yeah, so I mean that's the straw issue, and that mm-hmm. is people not being able to empathize or look outside right. their viewpoint. And and you know, back to the Star Wars thing, which is that they ruined Star Wars. Yeah, you like a a, a guy can't even uh, for like a second be like, all right, hold on, maybe my reaction to this film right. is colored by the society in right. which I live. And, you know, and that doesn't happen. I just hear people digging in and saying, well, this point, well, this point, well, timeline this, well, this. And I'm like, guys, go back and watch the first Star Wars. I love it. It's incredible. It's a great movie. It makes zero fucking sense if you take a fine tooth comb to it. It makes zero fucking sense. Right. Like, Luke essentially learns to be a Jedi in like five minutes. Yeah. You know, and of course, there are 15 counter arguments to that statement, which I've heard. I have heard them. And it just gets to the point where I'm like, fine, take it. I don't want it. I right. don't want this thing right. anymore. You've ruined you have ruined it. Yeah. Like, it is no longer worth having. And it, it, it breaks my fucking heart, man. Yeah. Um, and just so many things like that that I'm just like, man, fuck Doctor Who. <laughs> and fuck Doctor Who. Like, I discovered Doctor Who when I was like 10 years old yeah. and flipping through channels because yeah. I had like three channels. And like turned this channel on and there was this just bizarre ass thing the first episode I saw was about space vampires, except they were like human-sized space vampires, but there was a giant space vampire inside the planet. Yeah. But it was in an alternate dimension because then we learned the Time Lords, which at the time I was like, what the fuck does that even mean? Except that they're Lords of Time. I'm interested. Tell me more. Um, you know, that the Time Lords had shunted these space vampires into an alternate. And I'm just like, what? I'm 10. The most complicated thing I've seen is Star Wars. <laughs> which, remind me, which which who was that? Uh, I want to say, say? Uh, say Tom Baker, yes, number four, right. is what I want to say. Baker um, was my original. Baker was, Baker's, I mean, Baker's really great. Uh, Peter Davidson was mm-hmm. the, the, the first one. I, you know what? I lied just now. I completely lied. I think the space vampire was the... The second episode I saw, okay. but it was uh, separated by a couple of years, and I didn't even know that it was the same thing at first because it was a different guy. Um, and this is actually something that had, I think, an incredibly formative uh, effect on me. Um, and it's uh, Fifth Doctor Peter Davidson um, uh, in this undersea base, and they discover, I think this is the first time they introduce, I'm going to say the Silurians. Okay. Um, the first time they introduce the Silurians, this you know pre-human... Um, this pre-human culture that has, you know, been buried underneath the ground now for a good jillion years. And, um, you know, and they're trying to come back to the surface and exist, mm-hmm. which is pretty reasonable. And the doctor, like, points that out pretty immediately, except they're doing it through violence. They're doing it through trying to kill people. They're doing it through trying to destroy the world of humans. And uh, so, negotiate. Yeah, right. <laughs> and he gets, he gets sucked into this battle and ends up killing them all. Um, and like the very last, the last, the final second before that, just that incredible theme music cuts right in is him like looking at the camera and just with, just with agony in his voice, just says there should have been another way. And, you know, when I was like nine and to, to see that that is the response Mm -hmm. to victory, Mm -hmm. if it involves death was just like, 
deeply effective mm-hmm. to me. Um, that that if that's what you have to do to win, right. I mean, maybe it's what you have to do to win, but it's a tragedy. It's mm-hmm. a tragedy that you won. Um, yeah. So I said that was a, a deeply, deeply effective um, thing for me. You know, and now people are going to be like, Doctor Who can't be a girl because blah. <laughs> He's a space person from. You know, I should say they. I'm, I'm going to quit they, giving them that gender. They're a space person from wherever, you know, from Gallifrey. I actually know. So yeah, shut the fuck get, up get if on. you're at home being like, it's Gallifrey. You know what? Shut up. Um, <laughs> from wherever. And, you know, like, and you're going to pretend that they're strictly male and female? Shut the fuck up. <laughs> well, they can't do that because it's made up. It's all made up. It is all made up. One of the best things my dad ever said to me, uh, the first X-Men film had come out and I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I did. Um, it was good to but see But I was screen. listing some problems, and not mm-hmm. even problems, just things I had noticed. Mm-hmm. And I think I was talking about uh, the way Rogue got her white stripe in her hair or whatever, the thing with Magneto. Uh, he's draining her power um, and it turns her hair white because the experience is just so fucking intense. And I was like, yeah, that's fine. They just made it up, but that's fine. And my, my dad was like, Eli. They made it all up. <laughs> it's all made up. And I was like, whoa. <laughs> Good on him. Right? You know? Good on him. And this is one of the reasons that like, and, <clears throat> and this is less, you know, this is not malicious. This is not a horrible thing. Um, and if people enjoy doing this, then, then God bless uh, and do it. When they're like, well, who would win in a fight? Wolverine or Lobo? Right? And I'm right. like, it, the person who's winning would serve the plot. That's who wins in a fight. <laughs> probably both of them because they're probably going to team up to fight somebody else because that's generally what happens. Yep. You know, and I'm just like, okay, have yeah. fun. Like, but the... Go with it, enjoy it. Yeah, yeah. Like putting those little like rules and things in place uh, and arguing over them, to me that a lot of times kind of uh, uh, assassinates the wonder mm-hmm. of, of a thing, you know, which is, oh my God. I, <laughs> I tell people that, you know, and... People always think I'm joking because I don't think they, they understand that the, the combination of a lonely childhood and uh, the whirling thoughts of, oh, I'm bipolar, FYI, uh, and the whirling <laughs> thoughts of anxiety and bipolar um, create like intensely nerdy, <laughs> oh. intensely nerdy things. And, you know, somebody will say, blah, 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 Star Wars, the prequels, you know, at my house. And I'll be like, we don't talk about the prequels here. <laughs> And they'll be like, ha, ha, ha. And they'll talk about it. And then 20 minutes later, when I am like red in the face and screaming at Mm -hmm, them, they'll mm -hmm. be like, oh, you weren't kidding. I'm like, did I say? Did I look like I was kidding? (laughs) No, we have a rule. We don't talk about the prequels. Anyway, um, I think... That's the first time I had to pull the slider down for somebody. And this is this is the danger. I'm going to see if I can... I'm going to... I don't want to... Man, I'm already going there. I'm already going to that place. <clears throat> but, um, you know, this is why I think so many people were so upset about the midi-chlorians, you mm. know, all of a sudden. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Right, yeah. I mean, mm. it, was, it was awful. All of a sudden, um, uh, all of a sudden, this, this cool thing that we kind of didn't understand is like, yeah, no, it's just crap in your bloodstream. You got a bunch of it, so you're powerful, kid. And we're mm. like, what? Like, totally taking the wonder, sense yeah. of wonder. Yeah, I mean. I'm, I'm a huge advocate for the idea of, like, leave as many question marks mm-hmm. in good storytelling mm-hmm. as possible. Mm-hmm. Just because, if for no other reason, that's an invitation mm-hmm. to the audience to come mm-hmm. in or to the, for the reader to mm-hmm. come in. And think. Yeah. And think and imagine. Yeah. My favorite Star Wars stories aren't the sequels or the prequels or the books mm-hmm. or the comics or the video games. It's the shit I made up with my, the space oh, ninjas. Absolutely. The space ninjas have never surfaced in any of the other, well, I mean, I'm sure space ninjas showed up somewhere. They've written a crap ton of books. 
works. <laughs> but my brother and I, when we were kids, um, you know, uh, the, you know, Vader had lost in the last movie and Jabba was dead, although he had a bunch of cousins. <laughs> when we were playing, he had a bunch of cousins. Um, but so, you know, so who are the Jedi going to fight next? Right. Space, ninjas. Space ninjas. And those were the best stories because it was me and my brother hanging out and imagining and, and <clears throat> you know, and doing those things. And um, yeah, I could talk about all of that That's stuff okay. for a really, I was, really uh, long time. I was nine when the first one came out. So yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah, It's, it, it's funny so because my world. you're like on one end of the sort of the generation that was as a kid affected Be by nice. it. And I'm kind of... <laughs> <laughs> yes, youngster. <laughs> State my age, you will. Mm, watch your fucking mouth. You should. Um, but I was I was on the other side of it. I was three when um, mm. when Return of the Jedi came out. Oh, so yeah. you know, yeah. I, I remember just barely seeing. Oh, so you liked the Ewoks? Yeah. Oh no, I loved them. Right? Yeah. yeah I yeah. thought they were great. Hindsight, I totally get it. I totally get what the people like nine years. But no, it was perfect for somebody. You know. Yeah. 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 No, it was totally great. Um, <clears throat> I yeah, we won't get into that right. either because I I totally see the logic of we you could have made Wookies you could have because you know that was always the thing that people said right you know well, it was what originally Wookies? supposed to be Wookies blah 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 um, you you could have turned Wookies especially if you as you were showing the broad spectrum of their society as opposed to just Chewbacca people think you know like when they were looking at the first three movies people are like well I know what Wookies are you saw one fucking guy you saw one fucking guy and you think you know everything about Wookie society <laughs> granted we had the you know the Christmas episode but no but we, we don't talk about no, that right that's right sorry that was from the alternate universe the darker universe from which I just came uh, wherein there was a terrible thing called the Christmas episode which really rewatch it it's wonderful it's it's so amazingly of its time it's incredible you, you, can, you can almost just hear people just just destroying gigantic rails in the restroom before they come <laughs> just just so much cocaine backstage um but uh, but you know um we didn't know everything about wookies which again keys back into mm -hmm. this idea that then we can like fantasize then right. we can think right. about it um, but I think, you know, along those lines, I think you could have showed Wookiee society in a way that gave you the things that the Ewoks mm -hmm. gave you. Um, but then also, you know, was a little less teddy bears for the older kids in the audience who yeah. were, you know, having a problem with those teddy bears. You go from, you know, Vader chopping somebody's hand off and being somebody's spoiler alert father yeah. to like teddy bears, you know, it's one of those things too, that I find fascinating where the creator of something and, and this presents a kind of problem that I don't know I mean I'm sure Dickens had issues with this because mm -hmm. his all his stuff was serialized right mm -hmm. um, but creatives who start with a specific intent mm -hmm. and then what they've created is completely taken on by the mm -hmm. audience mm -hmm. and then they fail to take into account the audience's uh, attachment to their own to their material mm -hmm. and I think that was the biggest thing with Lucas in general I mean you could stay start say it started with the Ewok thing but moving on to the prequels and all the rest is he just never seemed to understand what people's attachment was and how they attached mm -hmm. to it and, mm -hmm. and the degree of serious play mm -hmm. that was involved. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think of it sometimes almost like, um, and, I, and I, I use this because I was, I was raised a Christian, so this mm -hmm. stuff is just crammed into my head, but like, mm -hmm. imagine you're hanging out with Jesus, right? Right. And you're like, I, this guy is great, and yeah. he's saying all this amazing stuff, yeah. and you know, it speaks to me as a mm -hmm. Jew, because you probably would have been Jewish. Right, I'd have been Jewish if I was hanging out with Yeah, you it know. just stands to reason. You know. Or a whore, or a, a tax collector. Or a tax collector. Whore is probably not an okay word. Um, we'll, uh, we yeah. can, at some other point, look at, you know, sex work is real work, but then also the shame attached to it, but blah, blah. Anyway, <laughs> just, just asterisks, if I'm getting, right. if I use that word. Hanging uh, out with uh, government officials mm -hmm. and sex workers. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and so you're no, like, we're still allowed to shit on tax people. I'm pretty sure. Okay. We're still allowed to shit on those 
those people, Fuckers. right? Yeah. Right. Okay. I mean, and I'm for taxes. I like taxes. It's the process where yeah. it's extracted from. Well, you know, I mean, historically, soul. so frequently, it was also used as abuse. Like, the, you know, these folks were taking all these taxes and they were sending like a tenth of it on, oh. you know, to Rome or oppression uh, Prince John when the sheriff of Nottingham was doing it, which was <laughs> sort of my first exposure to taxes, sheriffs, princes, a lot of structures really of truly. government. You know, I think the earliest <laughs> I had was it was biblical mm-hmm. and it was it, it was the Disney version. I might possibly of that mm-hmm. too. So mm-hmm. I forget what kind of animal was yeah. the tax collector. Probably uh, a weasel or something. He was, well, mm-hmm. he's a big, weird, weaselly bear-looking guy. I can't remember technically what he is, yeah. but he's got that you know that huge paunch because oh, right. fat people are evil really? or stupid. Those are the two things that they can be in Disney movies. As a fat or, gr- or greedy him. or greedy, they can right. be greedy too. Right. Um, anyways, but he you know he was sort of a big, robust guy. Um, I don't know how anybody is going to follow this conversation. By the way, <laughs> I'm not even sure where we. You were. know, and here's one of the things too, like, um, and. You know, I'll go ahead and own up front that there are some probably some negative things attached to this behavior on my part that come again from, you know, sort of isolation and childhood um, where, you know, people that have a tendency to overanalyze, people that have a tendency to be cerebral on certain subjects um, use that as their definition of intelligence. And they say, well, this is what intelligence is because right. it's what I right. am and because I have to define myself as intelligent. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I have to internalize the messages that I've been given about how I'm worthless. Right, right. Um, I went to therapy yesterday, can you tell? <laughs> um, more about that later. Um, but so uh, there is definitely something about being in a conversation with somebody who mm-hmm. just goes with me. Right. Who just like follows where I'm going. And, you know, I, I won't say that it's because they're more intelligent. I will say it's because their no. brain functions the way in some ways is similar to the way the mind does. And Absolutely. It's a, a wonderful feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, so some people will be able to follow us. Uh, leave a comment in the, you know, and we'll know, know that those are those are our people. I mean, it's a podcast. I suspect they're already right. Like uh, the three, the three is, people are, who are listening are on board. Hi, with mom. Us, you know. um, right. Yeah. <laughs> No, my mom doesn't listen to podcasts. Oh, okay. yeah. It's true, though. I, you I went to therapy yesterday. Don't get me started on my mom. <laughs> Callbacks, what? <laughs> what you said, though, was a very interesting assessment of this. Because I had this point probably like when I sort of started hitting middle years. Mm-hmm. It was part of my midlife crisis. I, along with everything else, I also realized I, I started wasn't... started mine when I was 12. I haven't stopped. Well, yeah, keep yeah. going. <laughs> uh, but I mean, along with everything else, I realized I'm also, I was also not as smart as I always assumed I was. Um, and I think the reason was exactly what you were saying. I developed these analytical Mm -hmm. obsessive kind of tendencies along with like, I tested well as a kid, Mm -hmm. which, you know, once they throw that IQ marker on you, you think you're smart, but I realized actually what it was is I was just really good at tests. Mm -hmm. I figured out the logic of tests. Yeah. Didn't mean I was, you know, going to go on to win the Nobel prize or Mm -hmm. whatever you do when you're really smart. Well, what is that Uh, thing right over there? Oh, then that's a, that's just that's seltzer water. It's a golf award, which is interesting because I don't play golf. Um, no, no. (laughs) I got really excited about the golf award. I was like, oh man, there's this whole side of you no, I don't know about. I never could. I tried playing golf as a kid and uh, I just liked walking. Yeah, it's... Occasionally I mean, going... It's you know. definitely... And if you do it right, then I can sort of see the appeal. Yeah. But it, it's basically walking through a really nice yard for a very long time with a friend while drinking. What was the old definition you of know? A, good, a good walk ruined, I think is what they yeah, yeah, called yeah, yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, no, that, I mean, that's my thing. And if you want to stop occasionally and hit things while you do that, that's cool. But I'd, I'd rather keep the trees. Which, you though, know? when you think about it, is it's a, it's a kid's game. Because mm-hmm. you're walking around, you got a stick in your hand. Oh, look, there's a pine cone. 
it's what we did, you know? That's and then they just formalized it. Huh. God loved the Scots, you know? Huh. They're like, I'm doing this anyway. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it that way. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wanted to finish this thought out, though, just because yeah, yeah, yeah. I, was, I was curious about it. And I'm, I'm uh, oh, talking about the Jesus thing, <laughs> that whole Jesus thing. <laughs> but I never thought of that about, you know, like the connection. And it kind of makes sense to me if it's not too extreme, but like the Star Wars thing. You know, you're part of this early attachment mm-hmm. to something that's kind mm-hmm. of fundamentally good. Mm-hmm. Um, and then along comes, you know, shall we say the spirit of Paul, mm-hmm. which I hate saying that. Oh, it hurts me. But, um, oh, you know, Paul. and all of a sudden he, you know, there's this. Leave the Thessalonians alone, man. <laughs> right. Like it's this ambition, like we're going to grow the franchise. We're going to formalize it. You know, like from there until the whatever it is, the Nicene thingy. Um, right. You know, it's just basically the dis- the We're dirty on Christian history now, guys. But like it's the it's the disnification mm-hmm. of what started mm-hmm. as a pretty you know like reasonable sort mm-hmm. of set of like let's try to be nicer, guys. It's like oh that's well it's great. it's the dogma it's the yeah. dogma yeah. of it. Yeah. I mean, and the flip side of that the, though, if we're going to look at the um, it's, it's the dogma and the profit driven aspect as well. Anyway, yes, but the yes. flip side, the but flip the, side. the flip side there is that you know if. And I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to forefront that I'm an atheist. So this is all me taking the magical if, and and you know, um, not supporting uh, that particular viewpoint. But you know, if if you take uh, a lot of those facts that we have mm. about Jesus from the Bible, you know, if you take those as facts, um, then you have. Okay, no. So this is tricky. So take the basic outline as facts, but forget for just a second about the whole divinity thing, right? So right. kind of set that to the side. And I, and I mean this with metaphor. all respect, but like the fairy tale aspect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, so you have this this guy who's doing this awesome, awesome thing. He's reasonably young. He is a reformer. You know, I mean, you could compare him to somebody like. <laughs> and this is going to blow your minds, Careful. folks, because you've never heard it before, like Martin Luther King or something like that. <laughs> I know what, what, no, what, yeah. Um, you know, this guy that's a young reformer and, you know, uh, passionate about social justice because he wants to feed poor people. Sorry, that's like justice. a thing that's yeah. written in the book that he wants to feed poor people. So if you don't want to feed poor people, fuck off, you're not Christian. Um, anyway, uh, but, you know, and then he dies, right? He dies and he's gone. But what if he had stuck around and been like, no, 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 man, no, man, you got to think about it. Midichlorians, midichlorians, that's why I can do magic. And you just be like, Jesus Christ, Jesus. Like, what do you, what? You used to be pretty cool, man. I mean, you know, and it's a similar thing with a lot of artists, too. You know, they do some really great work, and they just, they they continue to um, turn further and further inward. Right. Right? Instead right. of moving outward, mm-hmm. instead of interacting with more people, they they interact less and less with other people. They interact less with what makes things human, mm-hmm. and, and they get sucked into their own minds. And mm-hmm. it's, you know, it can really be this dangerous thing as you get older and older and older. Um uh, that yeah, you can kind of you can turn pretty toxic if oh, you yeah. don't keep getting out there and keep interacting with people. And it's one of the I'm, I'm of two minds about this though. On the one hand, you know there is that sort of invitation out into the world as a creative that can feed and that can make your work so important mm-hmm. and significant and and conversational mm-hmm. with the people that that take in your work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The other direction there is, I think, a potentially healthy side, which is a person who takes it as a, like an inward journey that's mm-hmm. actually you know, a positive, mm-hmm. like driven mm-hmm. journey, if that's kind of the orientation of their work mm-hmm. anyway. But yeah, that t- sort of toxic middle ground, mm-hmm. which it seems like so often creatives are sort of driven to whether it's their own like inability to, to handle their mm-hmm. success or mm-hmm. their circumstances mm-hmm. in the first place or, you know, yada, yada. The classic, you know, tortured artist who's mm-hmm. probably an alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you know, I, I'm not saying that's the only case in which you that don't happens. spend hundreds of thousands of hours perfecting stand-up comedy <laughs> because you had a happy childhood. No, that's just, that's just not. No, someday no. we're going to find out what happened to Tom Hanks. <laughs> he uh, seems really well adjusted and happy, and it just you just can't be that good. Um, <laughs> does, he, does he really though? Isn't there a little bit of a cold fire in those eyes? <laughs> <laughs> Tom Hanks is somebody else I think about a lot um, and sometimes I, I really hate that Forrest Gump in Philadelphia happened because I really miss like young wild funny Tom Hanks sometimes mm. like, he's such a gifted comedian mm-hmm. and then just kind of was like I'm serious now because that's what people want me to be um, but you know I, <clears throat> I'm tempted to say go all the way back to Bosom Buddies though and you could see the darkness but <laughs> I'm totally making that up um, I remember um, what was oh, this is Terrible. Joe versus uh, the volcano. Uh, no, although <laughs> that movie is a special. Let, let's say right now, if there is not a Joe versus the volcano revival of interest and love, oh man, that's fascinating. Can we speak it into being? Form. Can we rule thirty six? That wait, no, rule thirty six is the porn one. Rule forty two, <laughs> which is the one that says if you think keep, of a thing, I can't it, keep it starts to exist. There are too I want to speak rules. it into being. I Joe versus the volcano rebooted as a serious Netflix show. Can we have that? Like Ooh. twelve episodes. <laughs> Start with six. Okay, right. Yeah. Start with six. See how it does. Um, okay. All right. Deal. Where do we? What was the? What was the? The. Um, oh god. The darkness. The isolation. The Hanks, okay, so it was the, a Hanks film about the uh, prohibition era gangsters, and it was based on a graphic novel. Per, perdition. Road to perdition. Road to perdition. Mm-hmm. You know that was the moment though when he played that character where I realized. I mean, yeah, he's a brilliant comedian, but like so many comedians, whether the the darkness was inside mm-hmm. him or not, mm-hmm. I think he just, he was keenly aware of it, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and it could have just been that he's smart. Mm-hmm. Like he looks at the world and goes, yeah, mm, it's pretty messed up. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, like he plays those kind of characters. He still manages to play his darker characters mm-hmm. with like a, a, a humanity. A humanity. Yeah. I hate, I'm, well, I hate using that term as a positive descriptor it's anymore. It's really blank. It's really blank. Um, and it also really, it can mean yeah. so many bad things. Yeah, it's... Where's your humanity? Well, I, I killed somebody. That's what we do, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, it's tough. It's tough. I, but, you know, it's one of those things. It's such a big concept that any word we try to use for it is going to be not big enough, but also way too small. Yes. Wait, no. Um, Yep. Or the opposite. <laughs> I said two things that were the same thing. It was supposed to be two things in juxtaposition. It's either going to be uh, so small that it cannot encompass what it means, or it's so broad that it becomes meaningless. That's the one. Cut the other one out. See, I thought you were doing <laughs> one of those, you know, six of one, half dozen of the other kind of things. <laughs> so I'm like, where's he going? <laughs> but I tried to use the uh, yes and. <laughs> right. You know, the magical yes and. Uh, uh, that can get you into trouble uh, in some instances, oh, as yes. I learned in my 20s. Um, don't yes and everything. <clears throat> I learned that one night in New Orleans. That's a long story. <laughs> yep, yep. 24 hours worth, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then I woke up in Boca Raton and I don't know how I got there. Um, oh, thank God that wasn't the case. Right, yeah. Um, Nothing but, against Boca. Yeah, they're definitely, I mean, and that's, you know, you go back to Vader because I'm going to take it all back. You go back to Vader, you go back to uh, these other villains, the Sheriff of Nottingham when he's done correctly. Um, that there has to be, um, there has to be something recognizable. We have to see something uh, of ourselves in them. We have right. to see their humanity. Right. Um, uh, some people probably whose belief systems are shaped that way would probably say, you know, that the what is it? What does Namaste mean? What is it? It's the God in me uh, recognizes the God loosely, in you. Or, it's or it's more like I recognize you. I see you. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, but okay. So either way, you yeah. know, either way, that's what it is. You know, um, sort of the the shared spark of existence, whatever that is, whatever animates us. Mm-hmm. Um, 
or whatever the breakdown of consciousness in the bicameral mind is. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> Shout out to James. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, we have to see that in villains. And I think mm-hmm. you know uh, the opposite being that there there's got to be darkness and a happy character. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I think Hanks does that well. And I do think that Hanks is probably actually. Um, you know, the, there are always crafts people, mm-hmm. crafts people in any art form who do their thing, you know, right? Because there is um, anything that you're making, whether it's a play or a movie or a pottery thingy mm-hmm. or a painting or whatever, there is a work and craft involved. Um, and Asterix, yes, some people reject all the formal rules, blah, 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 blah. Yeah, that's a thing. It's valid. That's not what I'm talking about. Right. Um, there is a craft involved. And once you become good enough at the craft, um, you sort of then make this jump to being sort of this artist. Um, and I do think that there are people who come at it from the other direction and kind of make this jump where they are this thing that they don't know what they are. Um, it is or isn't an artist. I, I don't know. Um, and then they work to find the craft. You know, mm-hmm. the, the little mm-hmm. kid who has no friends who says, fuck it, man, I'm going to go in my room right. and I am going to draw and right. draw and draw and draw until I'm the best fucking drawer. And then I'm going to be not Rob Layfield. <laughs> Ooh, snap. What? <laughs> Once again, sending people to the Google machine. <laughs> no, I, I love I love doing like the joke for one person. Um, I wrote this this play last year. Theoretically, we're supposed to. What are what are, what are we t- supposed to be talking about? We'll come back around. I don't even no, remember really. anymore. Um, I wrote this play um, called Nobody Bunny in the Golden Age of Animation. Really which, enjoyed um, that, by the way. Oh, thank I, you. I did. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Um, we can talk about that later. But um, but there was there was this one joke in it, right? So it's set in the 1930s, um, and at one point, this uh, this media mogul is talking to the screenwriter. And he's like, "Oh, did you go to the movies this weekend?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, uh, "Well, what did you see?" And he says, uh, "Oh, that new Jackie Coogan pit." And the other kid, the other guy says, ah, oh, well, that guy, that kid must be rolling in it. What a little shit. And the joke is, you know, Jackie Coogan was a real person. He was a child star a uh, very, very long time ago. And his parents took all his money and lost it. And he ended up like dead in a gutter when he was 19 or something. Right? So saying yeah. that the kid must be rolling in dough is just darkly, darkly ironic. And no one cares. No one, no one, no one cares. Except on like the third night... Mm-hmm. One person, you know, left, uh, I think third row house left because, you know, I was sitting in the back and the theater was small enough that, you know, of the hundred people that fit inside, you know, I I could see exactly who it was. That one person thought that joke was fucking amazing. They just, they loved that joke. And I was like, yes, Mm -hmm. that was for you. Um, Because if you're doing it right, if you're writing correctly, not only can I throw that joke out to them, but that guy being a douchebag about somebody else doing well whether or not you know who Jackie Coogan is can still serve his character right right you right. know it's still telling us who that guy is this is going to sound totally self-serving like I'm, I'm trying to get scraps here but for what it's worth I, I snickered at that joke <laughs> but I don't do well laughing out loud if nobody else is laughing out loud I, I just it's one of those I mean things. I, I, I know that you're smart your mother said that you're very <laughs> No, um, uh, you know, people like you need people like me because I'm the, I'm the person that I, I'm just super fucking loud. I am such a loud, I am such a loud laugher. I don't know where or why. Um, no, it's great. And this is throwing myself scraps, I suppose, uh, tit for tat. Um, I have frequently had people say to me, you know, you are the best, the best audience member. I want you to come see every play I'm in. To which I always respond, well, here's the flip side. If I don't like your play mm. and you can see me, you're gonna know. Yeah, you're gonna know because you're gonna see 
just the most extreme hate, the most extreme hate. And, you know, in my role as a critic uh, and a, you know, sort of a cultural writer, I have, you know, I have to interact with uh, theater in sometimes a different way than I do as a human being. Oh, because, right. you know, I take my ADHD with me when I go see a play. Mm-hmm. I take my bipolar with me when I go see a play. And I can't always use that when I'm responding because uh, a bored kid with ADHD is the most angry <laughs> Angry, sad, and then the sadness make you angry, and then the angry makes right, you sad. Right. And you know, where's my ADHD and my bipolar, arity, uh, <laughs> my bipolarity, uh, begin? You know, but anyway, but so I mean, I take that to the audience with me. So um, disliking a play and being bored by a play, like, oh, there are few yeah. hatreds that are more extreme than that. So I, I don't sit mm-hmm. anywhere near the front because there were there were several times probably in my twenties where I was watching theater and I could see the people on stage see me mm-hmm. hating them mm-hmm. and like oh. and the and you know and some of them got mad at me you could see that in their eyes and some of them got depressed you could see that in there and i'm just like i don't want to do that to somebody on stage no matter how much i hate their play <laughs> right i don't right. want to do that to somebody i want to sit in the back and i'm gonna you know do my thing um so yeah so that i i have very large very uh outsized reactions to theater either way funny no i get it sad i get it i get i get incredibly angry too i've only walked out on a a couple of shows Mm -hmm. i've never it's always been during intermission i'm I'm polite um and it is with a sense of of anger and it's Mm -hmm. not it's not that you know it's anger toward these specific people Mm -hmm. in this specific production it's more like you know anger toward the gods or something that you've disappointed me in this and also i think it's a cumulative thing Mm-hmm. Like for every for every show that has sort of disappointed me a little bit, mm-hmm. it's built a, hmm. this up until hmm. this one's just like, okay, you know, fuck it, I I can't do this anymore. Um, that's in, that's interesting. I, I if that I makes any never, sense whatsoever. No, it it, it yeah. makes sense logically. Mm-hmm. That does not immediately resonate with sure. me. Sure, sure. Um, but it's it's an interesting it's an interesting thought because certainly that is a thing that happens in my life, mm-hmm. and certainly that is a thing that happens with people. Right. Uh, as an artist, it's certainly a thing that happens with collaborators. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you're you're working with somebody on a thing, and you're like, "This is fine. This is fine. This is fine." No, I need to put more work into this. I need to. Mm-hmm. Okay, I need to listen better. Fuck you! I'm done. I'm fucking done. I am fucking done. Burn it down. Burn it the fuck down. I mean, and that's how <laughs> that's how I am. Is that I go, you know, I I. Work right, with it and right. work with it, and then when, but when it's done, sure, oh sure, sure. Oh my gosh, it is, it is, it is done, and and I, you know, I kind of snap a little bit on on things like that. So I wonder if there is sort of an 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 analogy and a nope, an analogous mm-hmm. uh, thing that happens, sort of reacting and responding to art. You know, you know, you know. I um now that so, so now that I'm going down that mental pathway and sure. trying to examine, um my responses and, and some things that have happened to me because you should learn how to fucking look inside yourself and examine things. Absolutely. And I get really lippy when no one else is around to argue with me. You should argue with me more. <laughs> no, no, this um, is funny. I, I get like super this. lippy. I have nothing to do. So. Um, but <laughs> uh, I, do, I do think it's really important uh, on a larger macro scale to look inside yourself and really evaluate and never, never take anything you think or feel as, as granted as the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, people say horrible and abominable things and I ask myself if maybe they're right. Uh, generally speaking, I find that they're wrong, but, um, but you know, every once in a while. Uh, so anyway, so, uh, as I go down this pathway of asking myself if ever I have snapped on uh, a piece of theater because of, uh, other pieces of theater, I will say to jump to local music and bands and, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. There was this moment at Forecastle, um, and this was several years ago when I walked up 
and uh, there was a band playing, and it was four white dudes, and the, the white dude in front was talking about how somebody broke his heart, and I was just like, oh, fuck off, fuck <laughs> off. Like, I just, I don't fucking care. Like, I just don't ever want to see four white dudes being white dudes ever again. And, you know, and this links back to, you know, this other stuff that we were talking about, you know, comic books and Star Wars. Right. And the thing that, that drives me fucking nuts, it drives me nuts is, okay, so you take any group of nerds, you take any room full of comic book nerds, mm-hmm. right? And this, this 100% includes me in the first half of this parable. Um, any, any group of comic book nerds, and they're sitting around complaining about something. Mm-hmm. And usually what they're sitting around complaining about is a story. Mm-hmm. And they're usually saying it's not good enough. It's not fresh enough. It's mm-hmm. not interesting enough. Um, and, and they're bored and why can't writers write gooder? Um, and I'm there, I'm right there. I'm complaining. Um, and, but then you turn around and a lot of those rooms, the, the same room full of white men frequently. Um, but Hey, let's not be racist. Pretty much men of every creed and color, uh, can be pretty awful about this shit. Um, but let's stick with white men for now. We don't want to get overbroad with our point. Um, I like to say social justice Jedi instead of social justice war. I like that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, um, so, but then when you try to interject, you're like, hey, let's get a, a woman to write uh, this comic book. They're going to be like, what? You're ruining it. Or let's get this, um, mm. this other minority, you know, this, uh, this queer person, this person of color, this, you know, whatever. Um, this trans person, uh, this disabled person. This, you know, right. It's, any, all, it's you know, all about story up until the point when it's not. Right. But, but I mean, the thing is, by having a different interaction with the world, mm-hmm. by growing up, uh, afraid of the police on your block to mm. pick a random example you know members of the African American community and this is the thing that I did not get this mm. is the thing that I did not get until about maybe eight years ago when I was talking with someone uh, and you know and I was talking about my experiences as a quote unquote bad kid you know I did not do well in school I did not do well with authority figures mm-hmm. um, and so I viewed my life experience as being representative of the person who has problems with authority figures right that, that my perspective of that is the perspective that exists. Right. So when I was talking with this person about having problems with the police, I was like, well, yeah, but I mean, yes, I've gotten in trouble before. But if you just, if you stop what you're doing, if you speak politely, if you stand up straight, you're going to be fine. Mm-hmm. And the person was like, you know, it's this black guy that I was talking to. He was a coworker. And he was like, you, you get that that's not what happens <clears throat> to me. Right. Most and I was like, world. Yeah. Because, you know, I just, and, and I just, in that moment when he said that to me, I put the facts together. I thought about mm-hmm. things. I mean, this was 10 years post Rodney King or something like mm-hmm. that. I put those facts together and it allowed me to see that from this other person's point of view, it was going to be a completely different thing. But if we jump back to writing stories, if we jump back to comic books, mm-hmm. that guy's going to write a different story about Batman than I am. And yay. You know, he grew up without his, Batman grew up without his dad. How does that resonate with that dude? Uh, Batman grew up getting, you know, whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. how does that resonate with that dude? Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, any of the different things. Or, um, you know, how is he going to interact with, uh, this is the dude is interacting, not Batman. I'm pointing at Batman and the dude right now. Um, not the dude from the Big Lebowski. At this point, they're with us. us, (laughs) You're either with us or you're against us. And by against us, I mean you left. You left a while ago. Hopefully you're eating a good sandwich. Um, You know, maybe maybe that guy is instead going to look at a a, a rich billionaire um, and say, you know, how is this guy interacting with with everyday people? And then maybe we're going to get a character that's an everyday person and not a billionaire. I don't know. Whatever. Anyway, Mm -hmm. um, perspective is going to change the story. Right. And if we only tell stories written by people who all grew up in a, a 
fairly similar place Mm -hmm. with a fairly similar cultural background, you're going to get the same story over and over and over again. And Mm -hmm. that's how we have the 58th reboot of the DC universe in the last 20 years. Right, right, right. Because they have nothing else other than to tell the same story over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Whereas if you invite someone in who has had drastically different life experiences, you're going to get a different story. Yeah. So that fucking room full of guys complaining that the DC universe is retread. They need a black woman, a black non-binary person in a wheelchair to write them a fucking comic book. Mm -hmm. And if Mm -hmm. they would let themselves watch it or read it, if they would let themselves do it and not be frightened by a different, it would be the exact fucking comic book they're asking for. Right. They're begging right. for. Right. Right? Um, That's an excellent point. And, I, and it drives me nuts. I was just going to say, you know, it's, you don't want to put it too much on the on the nose and then it sort of becomes its own kind of weird affirmative action kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think it would be it would be wonderful if the last of the sort of the quote unquote classic Star Wars movies, which they're saying this next one is going to mm-hmm. be, mm-hmm. you know. What if that had been written and directed by somebody who was not just another guy? I mean, I loved the fact mm-hmm. that Ryan Johnson came mm-hmm. along as a true, mm-hmm. I grew up with this mm-hmm. and I've had thoughts about mm-hmm. it for a long time oh, yeah. person. Oh, yeah. I, I thought that was a, the most mm-hmm. fascinating thing about The mm-hmm. Last Jedi. Um, but and, and maybe we have to wait a few more movies. Mm-hmm. But like, it's a it's a big, wide open story universe. That, it's, a universe. it's a it's literal a universe. It's a universe, not yeah. five planets in this one corner over right. here, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> Did I interrupt you there? Were you about to say something? Oh, gosh. I don't know, man. Okay. I mean, I'm sure I was. <laughs> so, as I was saying before we got started, a lot of times when I'm recording these things, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. going to go back and chop stuff out. This is explicitly me saying this, and I'm not going to chop out me saying this. Um, <laughs> what I am going to say, though, is um, this is going incredibly well. You had warned me, you know, oh, just get me going. Um, and I thank you for that. <clears throat> In trying to maintain some consistency with with my shows, Mm -hmm. I want to ask the question that I normally start with, um, which, you know... You can have a nerd spinoff and it can start there. It doesn't really matter, though. I mean, like, who cares about linear stuff? I don't function that way in the real world. Why should this be any different? Neither does time, man. Neither does time. I think we should end it right there. Yeah, right? No, um, I'm going to get this question in, damn it. Um, But it is a... It's one of those things that I wanted to throw in, both because I think it's interesting in terms of Louisville and the way most communities function mm-hmm. and all that. And also, like, so many of my, my podcasts that I listen to, you know, they've got, like, their signature way in, you know, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. Krista Tippett, you know, on being. She's always like, so did you grow up with, like, any particular spiritual or religious background? That's just a question I like to start things off with. Mm-hmm. It's a terrible Krista Tippett, but... Um, <laughs> So my signature is like the most banal thing you can possibly ask somebody, which is, so where did you grow up? So, I mean, so that's, that's really great. Um, it's, it's something I've actually been uh, interacting with a lot lately. Uh, so I was born in Paducah, um, but I don't remember, mm-hmm. you know, I don't remember living in Paducah as a child. Uh, my earliest memories really come from uh, Florence, Alabama. It's a... Uh, mm. A town that's small enough that when I visited Paducah to see my grandmother, she she still lives there. Hmm. Um, what's up, Grandma? I love you. I really hope you're not listening. I really <laughs> hope. He just he just turned out this way. It's nobody's right, fault. Like, <laughs> no, it's definitely my parents' fault. Oh. <laughs> no, no, no. There's there's always enough blame uh, for everyone. Um, we can blame my parents and society and you know whatever. Um, but so I grew up in uh, I grew up in Alabama, and those are my earliest memories and it was um you know uh, it was a 
a very specific time and place. Mm-hmm. And um, it, when we evaluate our, our pasts, of course, um, I think a lot of people have a tendency to assume that their experience was other people's experience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then as we maybe are fortunate enough to gather other facts, we see that that is, you know, not the case. Um, like, because of some weird quirk of either the town or the mountains, or I don't even know. Like, I had one TV mm-hmm. station. Mm-hmm. I just I just had NBC. I didn't know ABC was a thing. I didn't know <laughs> CBS was a thing. Like, the big three networks, that's that's not a thing. That's made up. Wow. Um, un- unless you have cable, and then there are three networks <laughs> And some other ones too. Um, yeah, like the first time I think we moved across the river. We, uh, so Florence is um, what what people usually know if they know anything about that area is uh, Florence is part of uh, four communities which flatter themselves by calling themselves the Quad Cities um, to suggest that they are all cities and that there are four of them, which is they're they're being Qua- very kind. Quad to City might be you know? closer, um, but it's right across the river from Muscle Shoals, which is where. Um, Swampers. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot. Of <laughs> what? But a lot of a lot of music was uh, recorded there, and Elvis recorded there, and it gets a shout out in Sweet Home Alabama. Not um, just a lot of music. Come on. I mean, you know, groundbreaking. Yeah, some important music got uh, got yeah, recorded anyway, there. So, um, but Florence, and that is like Muscle the Shoals. one thing that people <clears throat> know about it. Um, but so Florence, Muscle Shoals, uh, Shoals, uh, Sheffield, and Tuscumbia—they're all right there. But even all four of them together is small enough. That when I would go to Paducah, I'd be like, wow, Paducah's huge. So um, so I grew up in Alabama, and we moved away when I was, um, I finished third grade, uh, and it was, you know, over the summer, I did fourth grade in Paducah. We, we mm-hmm. moved back in with my, my grandmother here, because my parents were artists. Mm-hmm. Um, and I did I, not know that. And, oh, man. And I, <laughs> in some ways, I feel so blessed. I feel so blessed about this. Um, and in other ways, I'm just like... <laughs> What kind of childhood Damn is this? It, guys, you couldn't have like <laughs> anything else, anything. Oh, theater. They were theater. They were the theater. theater. Okay. Yeah. Um, my mom, uh, an actor and a director. And then my dad is a little bit more of sort of a, a Renaissance guy. Uh, he does a lot of the technical stuff, mm-hmm. but then also is a, uh, to my mind, as, as I've seen him work, a really good uh, director and a really good actor. Mm-hmm. He ends up doing more technical stuff because it pays sure, sure. more. I won't even say regularly. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry. I won't even say better. I'll say more regularly. Right. Technical theater pays more regularly. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, that's what they did. And, uh, you know, a bunch of side jobs, of course. Sure. Um, and then also, you know, got in on the, the academic side, children's mm-hmm. theater, uh, teaching it in high school, you know, all kinds of stuff like that. Um, so, so yeah. So, we moved away from there. We lived briefly with my, my grandmother for one year in Paducah. And my mom was working uh, in the theater department at the... The local community college, with the, which at the time was called Paducah Community College, and now is something different because mm-hmm. they changed the name of all the things. What was it like eight years ago now, or whatever? Anyway, they changed the names of all the things. Um, but so, uh, so she worked there for a year, and then we moved here, and it blew my mind. Holy shit, man! This was like the biggest city in the world yeah. when I moved here. Yeah. Like it, it was so intense. Um, <laughs> the thing that we were. Um, that just just destroyed our ability to even just like understand. We just could not even can. The second the two story McDonald's, the corner of Second oh, Broadway, yeah, yeah, yeah. man, <laughs> blew me away. It was like the most. It was the coolest thing on the planet because I was absolutely that kid that grew up in the eighties and my favorite restaurant was McDonald's. Right, right. One hundred percent. That kid was me. One hundred percent. 
Um, and so, you know, for this thing that was kind of already my favorite thing, and then it was a, a two-story version of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, so then my parents have lived in Louisville since then. Um, and I lived here, you know, until I, you know, from 10 to 18, uh, and then, you know, moved away to college for about four years. And then came back for a little while and then went back to that town for a little while, which right. is uh, Fairborn, Ohio, uh, forever may it burn. Um, <laughs> I, I need like a bus to get some of my friends out first. But um, uh, and that's a that threatens to lead me down an appearance versus reality versus perspective rabbit hole that goes deep. And we're going to avoid it for the moment. OK, but just for the moment, um, just for the moment. It never stays gone for long. Was it really a bad place? Or was I in a bad place when I was in that place? Is it fair to judge Fairborn and Dayton because of the experiences that I had there? Hmm. And I have a lot of friends, um, some who have spent time there and some who grew up there, who say, yes, it's awful. It's the worst <laughs> place. Um, but anyway. my, my wife grew up outside of Dayton. So oh, where? Yeah. Where? About Brookville. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. And from, oh and from God, what she has said. It's such a garbage yeah. hole. It's such yeah. a garbage hole. Oh, my God. <laughs> Anyway, and it'll definitely, I mean, and it's one of those, you know, it's the classic Louisville story where you, you go away because you think Louisville's garbage and then you go somewhere else <laughs> and you're like, oh, I'm going back to Louisville. And you're like, oh, wow, Louisville's great. I mean, and you know, if you want like a, if you want a bigger city and you seriously want a bigger city and you like living in a small apartment and taking, right. you know, the subway right. and stuff like that, then Please Louisville go. is yeah. not for you. Enjoy Chicago, enjoy New York. And uh, sometimes I still wish, like I get a, I get a pang oh, sure. when I go to Chicago, I get a pang, um. I had a girlfriend uh, when I was, oh gosh, um, let me connect this to the story. Uh, so uh, yeah, so I lived in Louisville from 10 to 18, then I went to college outside of Dayton, Ohio in this little town called Fairborn, which was backward enough that they called it Little Kentucky. Um, <laughs> so I lived in Fairborn, i.e. Little Kentucky, and I went to Wright State University, which had a, a pretty, big, um, pretty big arts program, mm-hmm. um, which Tom Hanks uh, gave him a bunch of money fairly recently. Uh, to build this whole hmm. uh, new uh, portion of their performing arts center, because um, he's like from there or lived there for a while. I, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. whatever. He has some kind of connection, so he gave him the money. See, there's where his darkness came from. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! Mind blown. Mind blown. You just blew my mind, Paul. Oh my god, that that changes everything. That I'm the end of the usual suspects is what's happening to me right now, where I'm looking at all the little pieces and I'm putting it together. Um, yeah. Uh, Sorry, I totally derailed it. No, it's uh, all good. Derailed you. Um, so, so I dated I dated a girl there for a long time, and we were um, going to move to Chicago mm-hmm. together, right? And uh, I broke up with the girl before she went there first, and mm-hmm. I was going to join her. Mm-hmm. Um, and we ended up breaking up in that that period of time between when she went and when I went. And I don't think we were right for each other. Yeah. And um, I also, am, you know, very happily married guy and love Louisville very much. And it's difficult to see how I would have ended up where I am now without every single tiny piece of the things that happened to me happening oh, yeah. specifically in the order that yeah, they happened. Yeah, yeah. But I do feel this pang when I, when I go to through Chicago and I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. that was maybe, you know, another universe, oh, yeah. you know, I'd like to visit, you know what? I want this universe to exist, but visit that one. And I just want to yeah. like switch places with that guy occasionally. Oh, no. You know, in the months before I left that area, because mm-hmm. I went to school uh, in Evanston oh, right and was in and around Chicago all the time. And then in the months before I had decided to leave for a whole variety of reasons, 
um, I had two offers mm-hmm. that I still <clears throat> regret not taking mm-hmm. advantage of. Mm-hmm. One was, even though I didn't think I would get it, I got a job offer from a group that was doing community organizing down um, in, in central Chicago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like the, these people to this day are like, you know, central parts mm-hmm. of the struggle and all this mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing was, I, had, I wasn't technically a minor, but I had done sculpture in college. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And my teacher got me without asking me about it got me a possibility of an internship with a sculptor working in chicago mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and at the time i was just like i i, I can't i yeah, you know, yeah my parents are giving me too much crap and all this yeah. kind of stuff mm-hmm. but those two things mm-hmm. you know either one mm-hmm. i don't I, if i could have done both yeah. what the the yeah. sculpting political activist mm-hmm. that would have been a whole <gasps> fascinating yeah, right, and different man, life right? but yeah. no i totally get that yeah i am i I do not want to give myself the last word, but we are, we are literally, since we this are is, now at two hours, <laughs> this is, I, th- I was saying earlier, you know, I was thinking about experimenting with no edits and I think we're going to do this one as a no edit. Oh, wow. I'm going to go back oh, okay. and kill a couple of the points where you, you peaked my uh, sound thing. No. <laughs> peaked my sound thing. That's I told you I'm a, term. yeah, is that what the kids call it these days? Hey, hey. Um, uh, yeah, told you. I told you I'm a stage actor. And no, that's great. Using dynamics that way is, is so. <laughs> knowing what your schedule is, um, I, I won't like press you to the to the cloth on this mm-hmm. one. But uh, what I'm hoping though, since we barely got into a lot of the stuff I want to get into, <sighs> I'll do the classic on air. Uh, will you come back? I, I absolutely will. <laughs> I have. I have. You know, uh, as I as I alluded to. Um, <laughs> Fuck off, Eli. You didn't allude to it. You said it. You point blank said it. Yeah, well, cut the bullshit words out of your writing. Cut the bullshit words out of your talking, man. You know what? Uh, I'm gonna, Nope, I'm holding two fingers up because I'm going to hit these two points and then we can get the fuck out of here. Number one. One. This is something that has been uh, blowing my mind all day. Blowing my mind yesterday. Uh, as, as mentioned, I uh, went to my therapist yesterday. We were talking about my inner critic who, mm. uh, as you heard, just made... Uh, a bit of an appearance and uh, I talked about you know fighting with my inner critic and trying not to listen to my inner critic and he said don't embrace him hmm. embrace him love him thank him hmm. you know he does a lot of important stuff for you like you need that guy but like then love him and embrace him and when he's telling you you fucked up and did the thing and say thanks man I, I appreciate you pointing it out I got it now you can like not worry about that now you can you can worry about something else so that's, that's a super intense thought that I'm thinking about. Um, and so then the other thing was what I was getting to. Um, <laughs> the this thing that I had said, definitely, I had not alluded to it, I had straight up said earlier, was that um, you, know, you take a certain kind of person and their thoughts whirl, their thoughts whirl and whirl and whirl, and they, you know, uh, do, they can't think about, about anything without overthinking it. Um, I spent two weeks as a window washer once, and I have <laughs> thoughts, feelings, and opinions about window washing and don't get me started on the year and a half I spent dishwashing. Yeah. You want to talk about Hobarts? Let's do it. Let's get weird about dishwashing machines and dust real dishwashing machines. I can do it anyway. Um, so, you know, we, we started talking about Star Wars. We started talking about comic books. We talked about social justice and language and a lot of other things, but I have so many thoughts about art in Louisville. It's, it's literally my job. To sit around and, and and think about it and talk about it and write about it and I have so I have so many thoughts and I was I was I was very excited <laughs> I was very excited to talk to you about this so come back and talk yeah, about I will I will one hundred percent and I'm you know what we'll do next time is we'll make a list we'll make a list of six questions 
and we will like yeah we'll get through the first one <laughs> no I, man i had a question three. today I had a, I had a question today and but it took I, me an hour to get to the question but i only so. got halfway through answering it i'm not i haven't even yeah so which is why you're gonna i come haven't back. even moved back from dayton the second time yet like yeah so yeah. when we return <laughs> no. Uh, it, it is it was really lovely speaking with you. My um, pleasure. I, uh, I I have a great time talking with people that you know. I said earlier that uh, enjoy my conversational style, so it's it's always a lot of fun. And and not like in a sort of a passive way. No, you know, not sort no, of no, in no. like a oh that guy's talking fast and every tenth no, no, point no. he says something funny, but he says a hundred <clears throat> points a minute, so you know that average isn't bad. Um, but no, someone who engages and, and adds things yeah. and, and, you know, um, uh, thoughts that I haven't thought before and, and, you know, challenges me on something. So that's, that's really great and really enjoyable. Um, what is the name of this podcast? I got to tell my people. Sides. To to it. Sides. Sides. Oh, that's a great name because it's like, because it's the sides of the viewpoints, but also like Don't the things. Explain it. Oh, no, no, <laughs> no, no, actually, um, definitely um, if you explain a joke, it gets much funnier. Like oh, all comedians. If you keep going, if you keep going. Oh, well, no, that is, that is, I mean, that is that's definitely, uh, that it definitely is, is a way to actually do it. I was just, <laughs> I was being obtuse. Oh, obtuse. That's great. I'm going to make you stop. I'm going to make you stop. <laughs> Eli. Um, I, my parting thought, parting thought, because I just discovered, and uh, I feel that language is at a really uh, crucial intersection right now yes. as we reevaluate history and gender roles and, and the world. I just uh, just discovered the word obtuse. Uh, lately, I've really been working on stupid or dumb or, you know, all of these things because they are uh, very ableist words. Right. And, uh, and I've been trying to find some better words for right. stupid. Obtuse. I offer you that. Uh, enjoy. Thank you, Eli. <laughs>